Welcome to another long episode of That One Movie Podcast, also known as Tomp, the weekly show where we discuss movies, games, and TV shows in addition to kind of whatever. Mainly, we just shout nonsense into our microphones. I am your host, Holden Sutter, joined by my co-host, Jimmy Youthy. <laughs> I just got... <laughs> <laughs> That's the level of humor you're dealing with. Monkey noises and a very loud burp. Oh, excuse you, that was a gorilla. It was supposed to be. Okay. That wasn't a very good gorilla, right, but I, what do I know? <laughs> uh, we've got a great episode for you this week featuring our reviews. Ugh, multiple, several reviews. We've got two episodes of The Mandalorian to get through since we didn't record last week. We've got Citizen Kane, which we had prepped for last week. I had watched it, so let's see how much of that movie I remember. And then also Mank. <laughs> yeah, so the guy, the guys who just make gorilla slash monkey noises and burped are about to review Citizen Kane, so... Yeah. This is <laughs> really sets the tone. <laughs> All right. <laughs> First, Jimmy, we've got to do Toms. Yeah, we got two weeks of Toms. Now it's got to actually be a rapid fire game, Olden. Toms is a rapid fire segment where we rate the news of the week in the world of entertainment on a scale of three famous Toms, Brokaw, Bombadil, and Bergeron. Brokaw is the highest, Bombadil is the lowest, and Bergeron is somewhere in between. Jimmy, let's get to it. What do we need to do for this? It's kind of like when I'm grading. I kind of have, because when you grade like 95 things, you kind of have an outline of feedback that you start giving and then you personalize it a little bit. So I think I'm just going to do that for this for this <laughs> Tom segment. I like how uh, you're saying we need to get through this fast, and then you just did that. So, oh, yeah. uh, a little controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, first, uh, there actually isn't too much news from this last week. I was pleasantly surprised. It's not. I, I don't think it's going to be a super long segment. Other than the, the um, big bombshell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, first off, uh, rest in peace, uh, David Prowse. Yeah, this happened. Died. Was this? last week or two weeks ago yeah this was last week because i had it written for last week's episode um so he david prowse you may not recognize the name but you certainly know his most famous work as uh being the physical uh body of darth vader in the original trilogy um not when he has his mask off that's a different person at the end of return of the jedi but uh for the majority of all three films uh he's darth vader he also had many other small roles including uh one in a clockwork orange which i don't remember who he is in that but i saw it it was in his credits so cool um any yeah he doesn't really get enough credit for his roles especially in star wars he's really overlooked especially by like james earl jones who does the voice for darth vader um but i mean he was literally physically present there so well he does get credit actually more than like literally he does get credit more than james earl jones because i don't know if james earl jones even has a credit on a new home. well yeah but i think like in the public eye yeah. is what i meant yeah like, well in no the one, public eye no one knows the name david prowse it's on all the posters holden mm. well sorry i wasn't alive in the in the 70s 80s so i didn't see the posters there's one in my apartment holden come on sorry i've never been to your apartment yeah whatever lies <laughs> all right uh he was a good Darth Vader. 
Yeah. So did real well. Yes. Did a really good job walking around and crushing people. Yeah. So broke <laughs> off for that. Broke off for his life. Yes. What's next? Um, did you see uh, the teaser for Clifford the Big Red Dog? No, I just knew they were making a movie. Okay. Well, there's like a big controversy online as to whether or not Clifford looks good. I mean, he they're I'll, making him I'll, look... Re- I'll pull up an image here so I have a reference. Okay. I mean, they, they, it, he basically looks like, like an, a normal dog, but just red. Like, I mean, they're, they're supposed to be making him look realistic. And people are like, well, that's not how he is in the books. I don't know. I think it'd be like really weird and surreal to have a big red dog with just huge eyes like staring at you. I kind of like the the design. It looks fine. It looks like a yeah. big red dog. Yeah. Yeah. Was he supposed to have giant eyes? I don't know. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, that's how it is in like the books. I don't know. Well, yeah. I, 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 I was never. Yeah, the books. Yeah, I get it. I liked the Clifford books, but I never really got super into it. I mostly just brought it up because there was like a bunch of arguments on the internet, like there always is. Not really that new, but yeah. I'll give the Clifford look a Brokaw. Yeah, sure. I'll, I, Bergeron, I, you know, okay. if they were going for the realistic look, it looks fine. If, they, if people wanted uh, them to go for a more cartoony look, that would have been fine too. Uh, this bit of news, I kind of wish... That was the one bit that I kind of wish we had done last week because uh, it kind of concludes our epic trilogy of reporting on this. Yes, um, I know what you're talking but, about already. Yeah. Uh, so through IndieWire, Warner Bros. has confirmed that Mads Mikkelsen is going to replace Johnny Depp as Grindelwald. Uh, it must have happened fairly quickly because of what we said two weeks ago. Mikkelsen's comments indicated that he didn't know anything about it. Um and yeah, he didn't say anything bad in that interview. So as we mentioned before, he didn't burn that bridge and he got the role. <laughs> <laughs> He's a better man than I. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so yeah, this is you, a Thomas two thumbs up Brokaw because like we stated, stated before, uh, my interest level for this movie, it was a 0.5 and now it's mm-hmm. like a, an eight. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm... I'm super excited now, actually. <laughs> I was seeing something else, with I think, when I was uh, going through notes, that apparently um, he says his Grindelwald is going to be different than Johnny Depp's, which, I mean, is good, because Johnny Depp's was boring. So, <laughs> <laughs> Talking about atomic bombs or something? Yeah. Uh, wizards caused World War II? Something like that. Alt-right yeah. wizards. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, this gets a Thomas two thumbs up Brokaw from me as well, though. Yes. Let's go. All right, Holden, what's next? Next up. Uh, this is actually one of the bits from this week, um, but Metal Gear Solid, yeah. a film adaptation of this. Um, Oscar Isaac has been cast as playing Solid Snake in the upcoming film adaptation. Uh, I think we talked about it before, but uh, just to reiterate, uh, it's going to be directed by John John Vogt Roberts. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, uh, but he was the director of Kong Skull Island and also a couple indie movies before that. Um, and apparently Hideo Kojima has given them full blessing and thinks that what they have is going to make it very good. So, yeah, what do you think about Oscar Isaac? I mean, I've, I've never played a Metal Gear game, so I don't have a ton of experience with that. I When I think of Snake, I mean, the little I've been exposed to him, Oscar Isaac doesn't really fit that in my head, but I really like Oscar Isaac, so I, I guess 
a, a Bergeron for me just because I don't know like when I think of Snake and what I know of Snake Oscar Isaac doesn't really fit that mold but I also just really like Oscar Isaac so I'm, I'm gonna go with the Bergeron yeah uh I mean I th- when I think of Snake I just think of a uh a fairly good looking somewhat middle-aged white man and <laughs> Oscar Isaac is kind of fits that for me I guess um he I think he'd be good um I I don't I've played a little bit of Metal Gear. I haven't really played any of the ones where Solid Snake is the main character, so I mostly know him from, like, Smash Bros. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I like Oscar Isaac. Uh, I'll give it a Broca. I can't wait for Dune. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what's next? Uh, so, speaking of Dune, and also speaking of Kong Skull Islands, uh, we got a big piece here. Um, so I, I, I want to read off what I was originally going to write for last week, um, because there was a little bit, uh, a little bit of humdrum of this big piece of news last week. Um, so la- as of last week, uh, according to the Hollywood P- reporter, uh, Netflix had been like making an offer to get Godzilla versus Kong. Like they apparently made an offer of like $200 million to get it to stream on their service. Um, which wouldn't make much sense to me because it's owned by WB and so of course they would want it on their streaming service um, but Netflix was willing to shell out a lot of dough for it apparently dough that they don't have because they're in a lot of debt <laughs> uh, but that leads into probably the biggest piece of news this week which is that uh, it was announced that every single 2021 Warner Brothers release will be simultaneously released in theaters and on HBO Max. Um, this is following in suit from Wonder, uh, Wonder Woman 1984, which will be doing that on Christmas. Uh, and there's going to be no premium price. It's only going to be on there for a month, like uh, Wonder Woman will be. It's going to be streaming in 4K, which Wonder Woman uh, 1984 is actually the first movie on HBO Max that's going to be in 4K. But yeah, Jimmy, what do you think? Yeah, uh, so I was, well, the immediate response to this was movie theaters are dead, right? That's what yeah. a lot of the headlines were saying and stuff. I don't know, did you watch Chris Stuckman's video on it? I did watch it the other day, and he brought up this interesting point of the potential, or he seemed to indicate that studios wouldn't be uh, demanding as as high of a, uh, what was what did he call it? Uh, like I, I'm blanking on the word, but like a percentage of the ticket sales, mm-hmm. a percentage of that goes directly to the studio, like a premium. Um, it sounds like with this, they kind of struck a bargain where that percentage would be lower so that it wouldn't impact theaters as much as maybe we thought. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I'm like not completely up in arms. I think this is like an inevitable thing that's going to happen. I mean, I do enjoy going to the theater, but there are some movies like Godzilla versus Kong that I I don't feel like I need to see at the theater. Yeah. And this is better in that regards, but I, you know, I don't want the theaters to go away and also the studios don't want the theaters to go away. So like it's still in their mm-hmm. interest to keep the theaters alive. So I think this is still they're going to figure out a way to make it work. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I, I I think, I mean, I think this is a good thing. Just I, I'm looking at it from the practicality of where I'm sure COVID will be 
for most of next year and like how it still won't be completely safe to be to be out in public i'm sure um and so i'm it's pro- it's good for them because i don't know if they're earning as much as they would be if it was in theaters but at least they're getting some money for the studio um that we're, that, that's a, we're getting movies that's a great what? that's a great point holden is that these studios have not made any money this year mm-hmm. like at all like you think that theaters are hurting yeah they are so are the studios they haven't made anything yeah. so that's gonna <laughs> affect movies getting movies uh, yeah. that's gonna affect I, like you know will dune still get a sequel i don't know i will i see. mean i honestly think i honestly think that like i mentioned it to you when i was texting you about it i think that I would not be surprised if, if like Disney followed suit because they also have a big slate of movies where the majority of them have been pushed off like a whole year. Really, like the ever since the pandemic has started, what have we got? We've gotten Pixar. Uh, yeah, we've well, we've gotten Pixar's films. We've gotten Mulan and we've gotten, I guess, New Mutants. <laughs> um, but like, I mean, most of their big movies, they've pushed back. And so they're going to be hurting. I mean, Disney won't be hurting for money, but they, they won't be earning money if they don't release them. So I wouldn't be surprised if even Disney does this, too. Yeah, I mean, and it's I mean, it's really going to push subscriber accounts for HBO Max, too. So certainly. And they're doing like a six month discount thing mm-hmm. um, that. I mean, I'm tempted to get it because I, I was just going to get a month just to get for Wonder Woman and for Citizen Kane and and that. So now I'm tempted to get that plan, too. So, I mean, I think the whole movie theaters are dead take is an overreaction. Because, I, like, I, like I said, there's just too much of a financial incentive for studios to keep theaters alive. I think yeah. this is going to be a good thing for the consumer in terms of just this balance of things and i think my thought is that it eventually will work out where kind of like those b level movies will go streaming right away and the a level movies will still go to the theaters right away post pandemic yeah and in that way maybe it would go back to kind of how movies used to be where the movie theaters aren't just crowded with like too many movies for you to see like it might be feasible for you to see a bunch of new a bunch of the new releases. I mean, we I mean, like you and I do already just because we like go into the movies every week. But I mean, just for the average person, there's just so many. And like you look back at how it used to be and there's just like I mean, I mean, it won't go so far back as like the 80s where there's just like a new movie like every few weeks. But like there's so many movies that come out all the time now that this might be a better option. Yeah. And I yeah. So I think, yeah, we, we did that uh, justice, I think, so we can move on. I don't know necessarily what to rate this, I guess. Maybe a tentative well, Broca, actually. Yeah, me too. I want to quickly run through the oh, yeah, schedule. Yes. I have the list. Okay, so it's going to start out, I mean, Wonder Woman, but uh, next year it's going to start out with The Little Things on January 29th, which is some Denzel Washington crime drama that sounded kind of interesting, but we'll see if it's good. Um, Tom and Jerry on March 5th, uh, which a trailer came out and I didn't make you watch it cause I thought it looked kind of bad, <laughs> which I, I've got Tom and Jerry was my second favorite show followed by Scooby-Doo. 
Growing I liked up. it a lot. Uh, yeah. Like when I was really, and they were always back to back. So I've got a lot of nostalgia for Tom and Jerry. Also very violent. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> that's why I'm so violent. Uh, the Many Saints of Newark will be on March 12th, which that's the Sopranos prequel. Newark? Newark? Newark. I don't know. Newark. Yeah, something like that. Okay, Noah, uh, you, reminis- you build a new boat there, Noah? <laughs> yeah, it's a Newark. Uh, Reminiscence on April 16th, which is some Hugh Jackman sci-fi film. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong on May 21st. <laughs> the Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It on June 4th. Yes. Uh, In the Heights, which is that Lin-Manuel Miranda musical movie that was supposed to come out this year, will be on June 18th. The only, fi- the uh, only play I've seen on Broadway. Do not remember it the- at all. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, Space Jam A New Legacy on June 16th. Or no, I said June. Uh, it must be July 16th. Can't wait. Uh, uh, the Suicide Squad, August 6th. Um, Dune, October 1st. Yes. King Richard, November 19th. Uh, the Matrix 4, December 22nd. And then a few that don't have current release dates. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mortal Kombat, uh, the new James Wan film, Malignant. Yes. And uh, Those Who Wish Me Dead, which is the new Taylor Sheridan movie. I didn't know there was Ooh. a new one of those coming out. Yeah. So kind of excited for that now. He is, and then, um, uh, cr- we should tell people who we, Sicario, Wind River, and um, the, the, the Hell or High Water. Hell or High Water. He wrote all three of those and directed Wind River, yes. right? Yes, that's okay. his like trilogy of, I don't know, violent thrillers. Yeah. They're all really good. Uh, and then the last one is Cry Macho, which is uh, apparently a new Clint Eastwood movie. So... Yeah, the movies are slate. The movies are great. Like That's maybe like half my most anticipated list oh don't spoil that jimmy we haven't gotten to that episode yet. <laughs> if you want to spoil it just listen to last year's <laughs> <laughs> it's true all right hold on yeah i'm gonna give this a broca i think yeah all right let's move on yes uh so there's going to be a van helsing reboot alongside Universal's other kind of monster films that they're making. It's going to be another standalone film, kind of what uh, Invisible Man did and uh, what like Wolfman will be doing. James Wan will be, will be producing it, um, so he'll have a hand. And it's going to be directed by Julius Avery, who directed that movie Overlord that we saw, that I forgot came out. <laughs> that I was looking forward to and thought was fine. And you liked yeah. it. Yeah. I did like it, but it's it's a movie that I always forget exists. <laughs> uh, Bergeron. If that's if that's not a selling point on that movie, <laughs> Bergeron. It was the one that they was gonna be a Cloverfield movie, and then it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It would have been a better be- Cloverfield movie than the Cloverfield movie we got. Yeah, I think they they were. It was probably gonna be a Cloverfield movie, and then Cloverfield Paradox got such a bad reception. They probably went, yeah, never mind. We don't need this. Um, okay, let's see what else. Uh, monster, the Monster Hunter movie. I don't know if you saw this. Apparently, it got removed from China because it makes a racist joke <laughs> against Chinese people. It, uh, the Monster Hunter movie is supposed to be coming out at the end of this month. Um, it was released internationally already. I really haven't heard anything about it. If it's good, it's probably not. Um, but it was only in theaters for one day and like china which is probably the market where they would have like liked to recoup a lot of their investment 
<laughs> they, they removed it because they make a racist Chinese joke in it. How did that? How did that happen? Can't they just I don't snip know. it out? Yeah, well, supposedly the distribution company in China is, is looking at at snipping it out and putting it back in theaters. But I just I think that's hilariously just like <laughs> ignorant. Yeah. Whoops. Well, if they were not smart enough to fix that, they are probably not smart enough to make a good movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll give that a, a bombadil, I guess. Yeah, that's a bombadil. That's a we don't need a racist joke. Um. Let's see. Uh, there is going to be a... Have you ever seen the movie The Toxic Avenger? Nope. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll say. I'll just say this for the people who care about it, because I certainly haven't seen it. Uh, there's going to be a reboot of The Toxic Avenger. Um, it is an 80s cult classic that I don't really know much about, but apparently the reboot's going to star Peter Dinklage. Uh, and it's going to be directed by Macon Blair, uh, who is the director of the excellent uh, movie I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore, which is on Netflix. And I watched it a few months ago, and it just kind of on a whim, and I liked it quite a lot, actually. Um, it's got Elijah Wood in it. Um, ah. But yeah, I don't know. So we I, got Hobbits can, and, and uh, Lannisters in this, huh? Uh, no, Elijah oh, wait, no, Wood's that's the other movie. He, Never mind. Yeah, in the other movie. So we got Lannisters. We just got Lannisters. I'll give it a Bergeron. I'll give it a Bergeron. Two, Holden. My last bit of news, <laughs> which I know you won't care about, I don't really care about either, uh, is that apparently, Jimmy, the Five Nights at Freddy's movie is going to start filming in spring. Yes. You ready for this? Uh, series creator Scott Cawthon has rejected around eight scripts, apparently, before this newest one. Uh, which, I mean, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, because I don't know what Scott... I don't know what he knows about, like, movie making or script writing. But, I mean, I guess if he's keeping it true to his game series, good for him. Um, and it's been in development since around 2015, which is, like, when these games were popular. Because who cares about these games now? <laughs> Some of my little middle schoolers do, Holden. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know the kid. I guess I'm out of touch with the kids. Yeah, maybe you would know better than I. You think they're not cool, but it's really you who is not cool anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'll give that a Bergeron. Yep, Bergeron for me too, Holden. One last thing I wanted to say that sure. um, I think came out last week or two weeks ago, maybe like that's right before we recorded and just missed it. Um the gaming news uh the creators of the hitman games are making a bond game so just thought Ooh. that was interesting. oh yeah I they did set a little teaser for that so io interactive so that could be that could be cool and fun it could be yeah, a good old they, golden eye situation did they indicate anything about it no just that they okay. were making one okay all right and the, cool. and the hitman games are very fun so i i would i would like to see that i like how they're transitioning from hitman game to james bond i feel like that's not <laughs> strange like you would think they'd <laughs> want to do something different at this point but yeah. maybe they will do something different or maybe it'll just be a reskin of hitman 2 yep. <laughs> with james bond and, and as the player model hitman 3 coming out yeah vr can't wait all right holden shall we review the mandalorian yes <laughs> All right. 
we've got two weeks to catch up on the Mandalorian. Two good uh, weeks too, Holden. Yeah. So we're starting with yeah. th- spoilers again. We're starting with chapter thirteen, the Jedi, Holden. The Jedi. Um. So yeah, this episode is the one directed by Dave Filoni. Um. And as many predicted online and i mentioned on the podcast a lot of people were like oh dave filoni's directing this one is this going to be the one with ahsoka it is the one with ahsoka mm-hmm. it is um, it's also we find out baby yoda's name is grogu grogu which sounds yeah. like a pasta sauce it does <laughs> <laughs> i a lot of some people didn't like the name i thought it was fine i don't i think it's fine nobody's gonna call him grogu <laughs> Everybody's yeah, going to no, still call him Baby Yoda. <laughs> so. I mean, I think it's like, I don't know. I, Yoda itself is like a weird name. Like, I don't, I mean, we, the only reason it's not weird to us is because we're used to it at this point. So, yeah, maybe we'll get to a point in our lives where Grogu is just Yoda. Yeah, I it doesn't bother me at all. Like, I, I don't care about, yeah. I'm just going to keep calling him Baby Yoda. So Me too. <laughs> narrow-minded you can't change my mind um, um yeah so just this episode is great it's very mm-hmm. good it's got a lot of kurosawa vibes like that yeah I, I i got that too um rosario dawson as uh ahsoka tano ahsoka. she's very good she's good i thought um, I mean, I guess I don't know much about where Ahsoka's... I, I know somewhat where Ahsoka's character ends up, um, like in Rebels and End of Clone Wars, but I don't know entirely if it lines up with that, but it seems like a good performance and what lined up with what I know of her. Yeah, I thought like her tentacles looked small to me. I don't know, but I feel like in live action, that would be more annoying for the, the actress. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially well, for it, like, like fight scenes. It'd just be flopping <laughs> around everywhere. <laughs> I have seen like screenshots of her at like in like Rebels. They are very long in that. I cannot imagine her wanting to, <laughs> Rosario Dawson wanting to do that. I didn't realize that, and maybe we talked about this way back when. I didn't realize that she was like fan cast in the role. Oh yeah, no, we. I think we talked about that. Okay, I. I guess I didn't realize, or maybe I didn't realize that that was like official. Like she had like talked about that that's pretty much how it happened she like reached out to them i was like hey can i do this <laughs> like yeah yeah no so yeah she's great the action is great i think it's a really cool i love the world it was like actually mm-hmm. like a u- u- cool looking world it didn't just look like another planet that looks like another planet in star wars yeah, it wasn't just a planet with... Well, I mean, it was a planet with, like, one biome, but it was, like, a biome that we, <laughs> we hadn't seen yet. <laughs> Dead forest thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, we get some really great lightsaber moments. Yeah. Her just I, stealthily taking people out at the beginning was great, and she's like, you got one day. I mean, coming. I think it's just impressive, like, with the lightsaber action in this. I mean, it... We, I mean, we mentioned it like every other week with the Mandalorian, but like it really shows off how great the budget is for the show, and like how much like it is on par with the movies, pretty much in every respect. I think lightsaber action included. Pretty. I mean, it doesn't look quite as good as the movies, in my opinion. There are a couple times where it's like, oh yeah, this the budget's showing a little bit, but uh, okay. or just the time crunch is showing a little bit, but for the most part, yes. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, 
really liked that. There's just, yeah, Ahsoka's awesome. I'm just, I'm excited for her to get a spinoff show, inevitably. Mm -hmm. I hope she's in The Mandalorian more. I kind of doubt it. Yeah, she, it kind of seems like her role's done. I was, I was thinking it was funny. I mean, I, (laughs) I, I guess we figure out in this episode that, you know, Grogu's supposed to go to this other planet and call out to find other Jedi that may take him in or whatever. I was thinking it'd be really funny if it just calls her back. <laughs> she just gets like a Skype. Yeah. And then she's like, God, I was hoping it wasn't me. I hope we get one, one hand or no hands. Mace Windu. <laughs> <laughs> Bring him back. Yeah. If Darth Maul can he come back, the window cut and off, he's like, cut he's... off in half falling into an endless abyss. He fell out a window and just ended up with like a broken leg. Uh, So he's just in like a wheelchair. Mace Windu could have survived that. Yeah. Come on. You're telling me he can't fly or something? Ask Samuel L. Jackson. He's like, Mace Windu survived. Bring him back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, that's... uh, I mean, Harrison Ford's also like... Rick Deckard is is not a replicant or whatever. <laughs> so take the actors for with a bit of salt, all right? And I know. I played him. What if Harrison Ford's a replicant? <laughs> you can just see it. Software just started. They just quit giving him software updates, so that's why he's just a cranky old man. <laughs> I don't have the newest operating system. The software is just like not his his operating system is too old at this point. So the software I only have agree with it. Five hundred and twelve megabytes of RAM. <laughs> I, I don't know where this bit is going, but I don't know nowhere, <laughs> nowhere. Anything? What else do you want to say about episode? Whatever um, chapter thirteen. I thought it was. I thought it was interesting. Uh, I didn't realize so. I think two weeks ago I had mentioned that Michael Bean was cast in this series, um, uh, the famous actor from the eighties. And he was, he was like the right hand guy of like the, the main antagonist of this episode. And I didn't, I did not recognize him at all. Cause I was saying maybe he was going to be Kyle Katarn. Cause I th- that would be like really good casting, but apparently that was just who he was. <laughs> I, I could have done without his character too. Yeah. In this it was kind of pointless. But um, yeah, no, I I, I liked it. I liked, I liked the uh, the spear. That was kind of cool. Yeah, made out of what you call it, Beskar. Beskar, yeah, yeah. No, just a solid episode overall. Uh, the soundtrack keeps getting better, honestly. Um, yeah, very excited for that to be released on Spotify. All right, shall we go on to episode number six or yes. chapter fourteen? The tragedy. The tragedy. So, uh, before this week, I feel like I would have had a lot more to say about the episode before this one. Yeah. <laughs> but this one. Oh, wait, we didn't give a rating on, <laughs> on we, the last episode. Give it, I'll give it a 9 out of 10. Uh, yeah, I'll give it a 9 out of 10 as well. Yeah, this Yeah, one. but anyway, as I was saying, this episode I think might be the best episode of the series so far. It was really good back-to-back episodes. Oh yeah. 
And I'm I if they keep up this momentum, I'll forgive this season for how it started out. <laughs> yeah. Well, there yeah, I th- there's two episodes left already mm-hmm. only. So, one is they're going to break. I'm kind of worried that the next one might be a little bit of a dud cuz they're just going That's to break out too. the guy. I don't know. I just show me uh I just want a Moff Gideon episode, darn it. He's hardly been in this season. Maybe the next episode will be like that one episode of some TV shows where they spend the entire episode giving a backstory to a character, and then it'll be Moff Gideon's backstory. What? But it won't, because they have to go break out the guy and bring him. They're not going to break out the guy and do the final final stuff in the, the last episode. That's true. That'd be too fast. So. Yeah, but anyway, um, I mean, this... It's pretty fantastic all around. I I think my favorite Mandalorian episodes this, thus far, I think, have been the shorter ones. Although a lot of the ones this season have been pretty short, um, relatively. This one's, like, only 34 minutes, I think, and that's including, like, the ending bits, like, credits and whatnot, title and everything. Um, it's really just very tight, very exciting, action-packed, lots of fan service. Um... I don't know and emotional too it's like it's got everything pretty much that I would want in an episode of this show yeah I mean uh uh Boba Fett I mean finally yeah gets to be just cool for the like finally. the first time I'm- on screen in Star Wars really other than just <laughs> standing there in the Empire Strikes Back I, I was I was so pleasantly surprised that he showed up again because I like I, I think we both expressed our concerns that like in the first episode that one appearance was going to be his sole appearance and then it's going to lead to his tv show that might be being made but no now it looks like he's going to be a major player in the rest of this season at least yeah well that's the thing i hope the, the thing that gets me hopeful is that they just blew up the razor crest so I'm yeah like, well now you need boba fett in this show because he's got the mm-hmm. ship Unless Boba Fett's just like, slave here you one. go. You can have Slave One now. This thing that's been in my family forever. Which I know By the one, the, that that shot of the Slave One coming down to the planet was, I, I was like, ooh. That was very, that was just very satisfying. And it was like a really, I thought it was an interesting way to like kind of announce that Boba Fett was back without it just being him showing up. Yeah, well also he like landed very sharply <laughs> yeah he, he came did. in hot i was <laughs> that like t- that turn man he, went, he didn't like slow down <laughs> at all i was like this guy is not wasting any time no he wasn't um and yeah him in his armor i mean looks great i'm sure that it's not that actor underneath the armor because that guy who plays him is kind of old although he, he was holding his own pretty well in the action scenes it looked like he was doing a lot of it Wait, is it tim tim murray morrison something like that something like that yeah so when i mean when he was fighting the stormtroopers and he was like swinging and crushing people's skulls with his stick and stuff that was pretty cool and i think that was mostly him from what i could tell he was mostly in frame for all that yeah he was he was killing it so mm-hmm. um it confirmed that that figure from last season that never got resolved was him indeed. which we correctly predicted nice mm-hmm. job us really weren't I any other the- options <laughs> <laughs> i liked the return of the sniper character 
Yeah, I don't remember her really from last season. I remember enjoying her. It was it, that was still one of those episodes that I was kind of iffy on. That was one of the wor- worst episodes of the yeah. show. If I remember. Correctly. I thought her character was like somewhat entertaining though, if I remember correctly. And I thought she was good in this. She was the uh voice of the original Mulan, apparently. Oh, really? Yeah. That's at least that's coming from my dad. So if he maybe he has that wrong. <laughs> Scott Sutter, but ruiner of the podcast. Yeah. Do it. Let's hope he didn't just feed us wrong information. What is he? Facebook? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, uh Razor Crest blew up. That was surprising. Um, that was surprising. I was I was sure that was gonna like remain fine for the rest of the season, at least with how much they spent trying to get it repaired. He's repaired it like three times. <laughs> yeah. And like the much like the first three episodes, three, four episodes of this season, it was like damaged. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, we're good as new. And then just that thing's gone. Oh, I also I wanted to mention um I know we haven't gotten to the bit where they kidnap Baby Yoda yet, but where the when the ships are flying off and ba- and uh, Boba Fett like shoots a rocket at it, that reminded me so much of Ray shooting lightning in Episode Nine. Yeah, it did kind of look like down that the shot. I they, I laughed so hard when he's like, "Great shot!" He's like, "I was aiming for the other one." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like it kind of harkens back to Boba Fett not being as cool as he actually is, or not <laughs> not being as cool as he looks. <laughs> he is still a little I, bit of a klutz. <laughs> another piece of information that my dad shared was apparently like the way that he fires his rocket is like how the action figures used to fire the rockets, like the Boba Fett action figures. So, because I don't think he ever fires it in the original trilogy, does he? I don't know. I I may I must be thinking Django Fett does. Yeah. So yeah, I don't remember if Boba Fett does. Well, if Django Fett does it that way, then maybe that's itself is hearkening back to the original Boba Fett figures. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Boba Fett just kicks some butt this episode. He does. And uses that staff thing to just smack up some stormtroopers. I love how like just <laughs> there's like you can just poke so many plot holes in this if you really want to. I like they, they send down like one squadron of stormtroopers at the at a time and then yeah. they're like, oh, now let's release the dark troopers or whatever. <laughs> Although I think he did say like, oh, are the dark troopers prepared or something? I don't okay. Know. But still, like, why are you sending down like one squad of stormtroopers at a time? And also they just like, why are they not all coming out at once? Like half of them are staying behind in the yeah. thing. Like, <laughs> Also, I think this is the biggest example of just how pathetic the stormtrooper armor is. Because, like, <laughs> like Boba Fett is just smashing, like, the armor to bits with that staff. And, like, <laughs> like and it doesn't even seem like it's that difficult to do it. <laughs> yeah, they haven't. They still haven't upgraded from the Ewoks. No. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, this episode is directed by Robert Rodriguez. Uh, which I didn't realize, a famous movie director of Spy Kids trilogy, <laughs> um, uh, Sin City, which is, I think, has become one of my favorite movies and is an excellent action movie. Ooh, I need to see it. Uh, yeah, you should. Um, 
But then he's done a bunch of other. He's like really weird because he's done like he did like Spy Kids and Shark Boy and Lava Girl and a bunch of these kids movies. And then he does like these ultra violent like. <laughs> he uh he's really good friends with Quentin Tarantino, and he's the one he he and Tarantino did the double feature Grindhouse. He directed the other feature in that uh, double feature, uh, Planet Terror. Um, but yeah, and I thought it, it showed here. I thought this was some of the some very good action, as we've mentioned. Um, but yeah, you mentioned the Dark Troopers. Um, I don't have they mentioned them by name yet. Yeah, they did in this episode. Oh, He's like okay, he later says like release the Dark Troopers or something. Oh, okay, release the Dark Troopers. Release the Kraken. Quite gone chin. But yeah, I I'm thought the, the Dark Troopers look very true to their game counterpart, even though the, the game they're from is like a Doom clone, so it's like very old and, and pixelated, and I, but it looks true to how they appear in that those games. They look menacing, very powerful, kind of like, why do they bother with Stormtroopers if they can just make these? <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, no, I thought they were really cool, though. I'm going to be excited to see them kind of more in combat situations. They, they're they going to have to nerf Mando somehow, because his armor is just impenetrable right now. It is. <laughs> so they're going to have to figure out some sort of way to write around that. Like, he's either going to have to lose it, or they're going to have to have some weapon that's like... Because it's like... Cut through Beskar. These stormtroopers, like, they're not going to... They can't do anything to him. It's just like, bing, no. bing, 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 bing. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I, I guess I don't know what weaponry the Dark Troopers have, but if, I mean, if Mando had just stayed up there with baby Yoda, he probably could have just fended them all off, honestly. That's why I was like, why is, I mean, I guess if they're just launching rocket, also, yeah, because they need to go get him, and they can't just mm-hmm. launch a rocket down there because they need him alive. So, I don't, yeah, I was confused at, like, why is he leaving him there? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I oh the ending bit with <laughs> Baby Yoda <laughs> flinging the people around I the room just that made me smile so hard. And then they get yeah. the little handcuffs on him. <laughs> and he's like, oh, but you get so tired. He's like, mm. <laughs> and they like do the little so Leia's zapper thing. I felt, I felt like this was where I mean. We don't. We haven't had a ton with Moff Gideon, but I felt like that scene gave him the most personality out of any scene so far. I was kind of like, yeah, this guy's just kind of a snide. <laughs> yeah. I mean, power hungry snide. Um. So I, I liked him. Yeah. Did you Did you think it was a tragedy? <laughs> I thought that the no, title was I a mean, little I, melodramatic. Like I mean, I thought it was tragedy. sad, and you know, and like if you, they literally find... just killed Baby Yoda, I, that would be a tragedy. But yeah, like, I wouldn't call it a tragedy because they're gonna get him back. <laughs> I know, and I also was like, well, this is very predictably that they're gonna steal him because there's two episodes left, and they need to build to something. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I, I, I think. I mean, it was kind of emotional when like he found the little ball in the wreckage. And that whatnot. was that gave me the feels. Yeah, uh, but I mean the rest of it. I mean, I had heard this episode was like an emotional roller coaster, and I guess from the fact that I was at one moment I was like, "Oh yes, this is so cool," and then when it got to the ball 
little finding the ball, I was like, oh, it's sad. I guess from that aspect, it was a little bit, but it wasn't like I was in tears mm. at one moment and laughing the next or something. It wasn't the lost finale, to say the least. Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Cried multiple times. Um, yes, but yeah, baby, Ying, baby, baby Yoda, Grogu, flinging the stormtroopers around made my day. That's all I can say. Yeah. And him just, <laughs> just, just tuning in <laughs> to the universe. I did like that. I, I did not like, okay, so Mando, he kept trying to like pick up baby Yoda and like the third time he tried to do it, I'm like, you know, what's going to happen? Like, why are you trying? <laughs> he tried like three different times. I was, I thought he was going to say Grogu cause he hadn't said his name yet. And that would like, Oh snap. yeah. Like Grogu, you gotta go. And then he'd be like, huh? That does remind me. The then he, and then he the pukes episode. out the, the frog eggs. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't the do anything the- with the frog eggs. The beginning of the episode where they're on the ship together was adorable. <laughs> Do you remember that? They are. He's just playing with the ball again, right? Or yeah, waste. and then like just the way that Mando's like reacting, he's so happy and like proud of him. He's like <laughs> laughing. He's like, "Oh, this is so cool." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, that was cute. They're they're adorable. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew that, who knew? like, when when the, when they announced The Mandalorian, who knew that this was the show we were going to get? No, no one. No one. <laughs> they kept Baby Yoda so under wraps. Got to give them props for that. They I did. mean, I think we did last season, too, but it's still worthy of praise. And then just, like, the first episode, even, I was like, yeah, it's a little Yoda. What, like, big deal. Like, I didn't, I was like, he, he's kind of cute, I guess. And then the second episode came out, and you're like, well, this just changes everything because I, I like i wasn't buying it like the first episode like i, I think i said i like i gave it a six out of ten but it is yeah, just now no like, i they, there's we star were, wars we is watched not it together no. all right holden what are you gonna give this episode i think i'll give this episode a 10 like i mean it's got flaws and i don't want to like say it's like a perfect piece of media but i think it might be the best episode so far at least in my eyes i think it's definitely the most entertaining so yeah i'll go nine and a half just because i there were points when i was like this is just silly with him continually trying to pick him out of the the yeah <laughs> shield thing that's true and then the stormtroopers right, i'll go down to a nine and a half too the stormtroopers just half of them waiting in their cargo thing and then them waiting to send down a second thing <laughs> and then they said i'll down go the, down to a nine and a half because <laughs> i hope it can get even better than this i think it can I'm I'm yeah. hope I'm I'm still worried that this next episode will be a little bit of a dud. I think that the seventh episode was kind of a dud last season, wasn't it? And then the, the final episode was really good. Isn't it? They're just kind of sitting around the campfire and those things start attacking them from the sky. You're like, this was a weird know. episode. Yeah, maybe we'll get a seven out of ten before a ten out of ten. Yeah. All right, Holden. Let's review Citizen Kane. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, have you heard of this movie, Citizen Kane? I don't know. Maybe you have out there. Um, possibly. I, I wouldn't. I don't think it's the most famous movie in the world, but probably the most famous, just great movie in the world. 
um, at least in the U.S., it's it's very. You think so? I mean, do you think so anymore? I feel like people know The Godfather more than Citizen Kane oh, in terms yeah. of like people maybe. our age. I think there's yeah, be a good amount. Right. Of, I think there's a good amount of people our age who would you'd say Citizen Kane? They're like, what are you talking about? But if you said The Godfather, <laughs> like, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Maybe you're right. Anyway, it is one of the most famous, like, great movies. Um, it's yeah. It came out 1941. I believe it's 41. Okay. Um, considered by many to be the best movie ever made. Um, it. I mean, I'll try to give a synopsis of this movie it's kind of hard it's it's kind of about the it's a non-linear uh following of this guy charles foster kane who's like this newspaper magnet um he's very wealthy very powerful and it's kind of his life and yeah i don't know (laughs) it's the it's the tragic corruption of a of an idealist corrupted by or like a, this idealist corrupted by power yeah. and influence over time money yeah and it's I, it's a like a tragedy thing. i think yeah um <laughs> i didn't love it <laughs> if i'm honest i mean i recognize it's like strengths but i was like really bored honestly i feel like at this point it's been done like a all, all, all of the aspects that make this film considered great have been done so many other times that I just feel like it's not special to me. I was expecting to watch it and be like, oh, this movie... I wasn't expecting to think it was like the best movie ever, but I was certainly expecting it to be like... I don't know. I, for me to have a different outlook on what movies could be, maybe, or like think about... I don't know. I was expecting to be changed somewhat and i was just kind of like yeah it's it's great i guess that, that's interesting because i feel like that is very much my reaction the first time i saw the godfather was something very similar like oh that was what like it was just wasn't what i expected so mm-hmm. i didn't like i was like i appreciate this for a, as a great movie but i don't i'm not drinking the kool-aid kind of sort yeah. of thing um i still have only seen the godfather the one time i need to rewatch it um, I think I would like it a lot more another time, but I really, I really do like Citizen Kane. I think it holds up quite well. I think uh, the beginning is the only part that really kind of drags for me when they're doing the, I guess, very minor spoilers. Uh, there, there's a newsreel in the beginning that kind of overviews the life of, of uh, Charles yeah. Foster Kane, and it's about ten minutes. It's it's not short. No. Um, it's I was surprised how long it was going. <laughs> um, but I think as the movie goes on, I think the pace picks up and it becomes more interesting. And for me, this I Charles Foster Kane is very interesting to me because he is this idealistic it, 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 for me, like he kind of starts off as like the hero of a thousand faces kind of story arc where he's this nobody gets this opportunity is like this idealist and then but then it's like a a walter white situation where he just goes from being this good person to slowly turning into somewhat of a monster but kind of resenting the fact that he is this monster and it's like 
him wanting to be loved by other people is ironically is what turns him into this person who pushes everything away i i just i the my favorite part of citizen kane i think that endures the test of the time is the humanity of charles foster kane he is this very complicated character and he is it's really in and i think it just the whole making of it makes it that much more interesting and i mean we can tie this in with mank later but just how if this was a critique of william randolph hearst uh the the yellow the gargantuan yellow journalist of the 20th century it it's a very like forgiving one i mean or just like a yeah it's definitely like critical of of charles foster kane but it's it doesn't it's not a simple interpretation of that it's not like a you're not looking at it from one lens he's a very three-dimensional character and and wells i mean is just does such a good job in their role yeah in my opinion which is he was 24 or whatever when he did this which is which is crazy I, you know, the, your comparison that you made earlier to Walter White is an interesting one that honestly I think is pretty good. Honestly, I because as surprisingly, you like, <laughs> I said something yeah. insightful. Uh, I mean, because like you said, he's like Walter White. I mean, he's not a good person. He's even like, as you said, he's like a monster. But I mean, you still like he's still the protagonist in a way and you still like root for him and you still are like interested to see where he goes kind of like Walter White where Walter White's this monster who is is almost completely irredeemable except for his like core at least on the surface values um but yet you're still interested to see where Walter White goes too and like you're you're still invested in him hope maybe even turning out all right in the end so yeah good comparison honestly um yeah i just i really like it and in terms of just like the style i i do like the style i don't love the whole um what do you want to call it deep focus i think it's what the the term when when the the, there's like literally like no depth of field where the background is in focus and the foreground is in focus Mm, and sure. you really don't see that a lot. They they do it a, a couple times in Mank, but not that often, which is interesting how they, they didn't employ that technique. You hardly ever see it anymore. Uh, but it's an interesting technique that works for me sometimes, but you can tell like the technology wasn't quite <laughs> there because it's like, the background's still like slightly out of focus but it's supposed to be in focus or the foreground slightly out of focus mm-hmm. but again like we're watching this on 4k tvs now and you would not have been able to tell probably on a projector back in the day no no um, um i think the, i think the set the set design's really interesting mm-hmm. um overall i mean there's there's a couple scenes like specifically when like uh kane is in his mansion and like or his castle i guess and the xanadu. interior of that yeah xanadu the interior of that is just like it's wild a, a lot of the sets seem like kind of empty but like the size i think of everything speaks more than necessarily the set dressing does because all the sets like they seem very high very high ceilings very just large open 
And while the set dressing may not be that dense, it's... I don't know. Maybe that hollowness speaks to something within the movie's themes, but I'm too stupid to uh, to know. Um, <laughs> there is... I, I forgot that I had notes over this. I was just going off the top of my head. <laughs> I, t- I did make a note towards the end when they're, they're kind of... Again, very, very minor spoilers. But when they're going through, like, Citizen Kane stuff, it's just, like, it's all packed in boxes and stuff in... in or not before they packed it up when they're just panning over everything and it's like this sea of stuff. I just wrote down a note that says room of requirement because that's what it, it did, reminded yeah. me of. It reminded me of uh, not only room of it reminded me of the warehouse from <laughs> Indiana Jones. I thought it, I thought that at the end when they when they weren't uh, when it wasn't when it was boxed all up. Oh, OK. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's a apt description. But uh, I. The lighting, I think, is is gorgeous, particularly mm-hmm. kind of the... I love the light shaft technique, and they employ it in Mank, too. Um, but just, like, when they when the newsreel cuts and they're all standing in the, the, the theater room of, like, whatever... Can't remember the newspaper. And probably the Inquirer, I suppose. But um, there and it's just like the guy standing in front of the projector, and you can just see the light shafts around him. I just that's just mm-hmm. gorgeous. Um, there's the El Rancho shot towards the beginning of the movie when they first introduce the character Susan Alexander. Is really impressive for the time, where it's like starts at the sign and it like zooms in and go or it uh, uh, pans in or dollies in. I, I I should know this term, boy. Dollies in. And then it goes over and then like into the restaurant or into the club or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Very impressive considering it's 1941. Like nobody, did, nobody did that. Um, I totally forgot the character Jed Leland. The, uh, after the first viewing, um, we can talk That's about the him. friend. Yeah. We can talk about okay. him and spoilers a bit more, but I really like the side characters in this movie. I think they really complement. Kane's character well in terms of uh, Jed Leland uh, Bernstein and Susan Alexander they all pull out very interesting parts of his personality again we can talk about that later Um, yeah I'm trying to look uh, here Uh, the makeup I think is really good especially for Charles Kane especially on yeah Orson Welles except for maybe the very when he's supposed to be really old you can see that he's wearing like a bald cap but oh okay i didn't notice that but um but otherwise really good i thought uh the framing of this movie um it's it's interesting to me that like you would almost expect maybe at the beginning of the movie if you knew like nothing about this you would almost expect um i think thompson is the reporter you'd almost expect him to be like the main character but like whenever he's going off and like doing the research or interviews which is kind of how most of the scenes in this movie play out like i i, th- I think it's interesting that he's constantly obscured um yeah because he's not the focal point of the story even if he's the one who kind of carries uh the framework forward and this is another this movie also pioneered like just blocking meaning like where characters are in the shot and how they move and how that tells the story how that adds an extra layer this movie is a masterclass at that in terms of how the characters move within the shot. 
um, to con- convey meaning. So I just that as well. I I really do like Citizen Kane. Um, not to just be a pretentious movie star, but <laughs> I I I think this the the core character of Citizen Kane is just so interesting and timeless to me that that is why I think I'm really going to enjoy this movie and it will influence me and my storytelling uh, just forever. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, maybe I need to watch it again at some point. I mean, it's, it's great. I agree with pretty much everything you said. Um, It's just, I don't know. It was, (laughs) I think it was kind of boring and I'm not just one of those people that thinks like old movies are boring. Cause like I do love a lot of movies from back then. I still consider a lot like, Hitchcock a lot of Hitchcock films are among my favorites um but I don't know it's just this movie doesn't do it for me even if it is on all accounts very very good all right would you like to give your rating Alden yeah uh I mean if I had to give like objective I it's hard to balance objective with my own personal enjoyment I guess I'll go like a a nine I guess I'm at a 9.5 personally I think um, uh, the beginning just again is a little slow for me and I'm not entirely necessary to me in my opinion to have a newsreel that long um, but between the, this writing is fantastic mm-hmm. uh, just how revolutionary it was how well it holds up and the acting of uh, Orson Welles I think really really does it I don't love the it's, actress who plays Susan Alexander I don't think she's very good no I, I she just yells <laughs> she just <laughs> yells I yeah no I I agree with that yeah I, don't, I had something else I was gonna say but I don't remember what that was all right maybe you'll remember in spoilers which we'll do right now boy we're an hour into this podcast already and we haven't even gotten to the high like the big thing for this week that's all right um citizen kane uh so i guess what do we want to spoil uh the rosebud thing um i'm sure if i didn't know about it it would be way cooler than it was um i i don't know I <laughs> that twist is just kind of whatever for me. It's I'm sure that if someone someone smarter than me like you uh probably likes it a lot more. Uh I don't That's know. just I've never seen it without knowing the twist. I mean other when I, otherwise <laughs> or other than when I was 7 years old and yeah, my dad's no, like, I'm "Hey, not- oh, this is Citizen Kane. You should watch this movie." And no, we, yeah, and we did, and he's like, well, "What do you think, Citizen, or what do you think Rosebud is?" And my sister and I were guessing the whole movie, and I mean, I didn't <laughs> know anything at seven years old, and I just remember it being the sled, so like I didn't yeah. forget that. Um, so I've never watched it knowing, the, or I've never watched it without knowing the twist, like since I was seven. So I, for me, that the twist, I, I guess I maybe it would be more impactful that way i get it probably would i mean certainly yeah. but it doesn't ruin the movie in my opinion to know what it is no no 
I think it's I think it's one of those things that probably audiences in the 40s were like, oh my gosh, that was probably the be- sled. I mean, that was probably before like movie twists were that big of a thing too. I'm I'm guess I mean I'm sure there were twists before, but I'm yeah honestly, but like I don't think the twist was probably nearly as prevalent as it is today. Yeah, um, what else? You have something you want to hit, Jimmy? I I <laughs> I don't remember a ton. If I'm being, I remember like a lot of the a lot of iconic stuff from it and other random things that I can talk about. But do you have stuff you want? Yeah, to- I'd like to talk about like the Jed Leland character, who's his friend from college, who who is kind of has integrity. I guess he's not <laughs> as talented or as he's like what Kane would be had he stuck to his morals mm-hmm. and like he has a declaration of principles and Leland keeps it. And, um, and honestly, now that you're mentioning it, there's a, there's an interesting parallel I hadn't even thought about with Mank <laughs> with that character. Yeah. Um, and That's it's just like, uh, it's so interesting to 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 when he writes that bad review about Susan Alexander and how uncomfortable that is, and how Charles Kane kind of loses his mind mm-hmm. and betrays his friend, though he thinks he his friend's betraying him, and just and how he's obsessed with getting cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. I just thought that was I I for, it was interesting to me that I forgot that element of the movie exists. And I think it's a really powerful scene when he gets that letter and he opens it and it's the declaration of principles and he just Yeah, that he is. He like doesn't even recognize it. <laughs> and then he tears it up. Yeah, and I I mean that in the scene where Leland kind of, where he fires Leland. I think both of those scenes are very are excellent. And I had already honestly forgotten about Leland's character before uh, you mentioned him. Yeah, I think, I think just everything around it kind of overshadows it. But um, the the other one, one of my favorite shots in in cinema is when Susan Alexander's just getting ripped on by everybody, and Kane yeah. is just so determined to sway opinion that he just that close up of him sitting in the theater in the balcony and just the intense look of just so determined that she is a success like I am making her a success because that is what I have decided and he's clapping and it's like just how well Orson Welles sells that even though like she doesn't care that much she doesn't even like it even when she's like sings from at the beginning she's like I don't really like singing I just do it because my mother wanted me to um, which her her real the way they portrayed her real life character in Mank was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just very very. I I just like this movie. What can I say? I yeah. I also like the 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 kind of the look of his like political rally and the whole like uh, I forget the name of his political opponent who's like corrupt and stuff i can't remember um but i i i love how they like that whole scene where they 
get exposed and he like just leaves his wife and and his kid and his, she sends a kid away and all that it's just watching his life like fall apart it's like you feel bad for him but he is this monster <laughs> so yeah i love um him. i just i i think it's still impactful today yeah um i think some of the transition shots in this are really like impressive honestly like the the one I keep thinking about is like when they're looking at that picture through like the window and then it immediately like somehow they edit it. So then it's like seamless to, uh, I'm trying to think of, they're looking at the picture. It's like towards the beginning, the picture of the writers of that successful newspaper. If you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. About, yeah. The yeah. And then they, 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 hire, they buy them all. From, yeah. They from buy the them all. So, yeah, they're so they're looking at the picture through the window and then it like seamlessly cuts to them getting their picture taken after they've been bought out by uh the inquirer. Um and I just that that shot to me, I watched it, I'm like, how did they do that? Especially on like old film. I'm like smarter than me. Don't know. Yeah, they're pretty that's pretty remarkable that they did that and yeah, this I think see you think this movie's boring, but I think it's like for being an older movie i think it's quite quick in a lot of regards like the the there at points it feels like a really like um like aaron sorkin dialogue where it's just like witty and like that courtroom dialogue and it's kind of really moving and quick for like no i mean i can't considering the time literally everything you've said is stuff i agree with it's just like i like i said i think it's just been done in like stuff since not necessarily better but just stuff that i've seen now that i'm like yeah i get it and i see the influence now watching citizen kane but i'm like yeah i've i've seen a lot of this before i don't know i think i think it's the difference between me and you is i think i just um I have a more of a connection or I just am more fascinated by Kane's character or something. Yeah. Or, or just the, right. the characters and the, the story as overall. All right. I think I've said um, all I really wanted to say, so we can, we can move on. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and I if think I forgot anything, it. it'll naturally come up during Mank. So I, uh, I, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's about it. Honestly, I'm excited to talk about Mank. Let's do that. All right. On to our non-spoiler review of Mank. All right, so Mank came out on Friday on Netflix. It's it was in theaters, limited release early in November. So maybe you lucky cats have already seen it. Who knows? Um, but this, Mank, this would have been a good one to see in the theater. I agree. This will be our non-spoiler um, review. If you are not listening to our Citizen Kane spoiler review, if you haven't seen Citizen Kane, I don't think you would like this movie. So, no. if you, this is not a good standalone movie, <laughs> like they're literally point like, and if you haven't seen Citizen Kane recently, I would say you need to watch that before you watch this movie because mm-hmm. there are direct references to it that if you have not seen it recently, they'll just go over your head. Yeah, and that's a lot of this movie. So. If I, I would just I say up front, if you're not willing to commit to watching both like Citizen Kane before this, then you're not going to this movie is not going to be worth it for you. 
Yeah. And honestly, I I mean, even though I watched Citizen Kane a week before I watched this, I I would have hunkered down for like a long night and watched both back to back, honestly. I maybe I should have done that cuz I feel I mean, I I did catch a lot of it and we'll talk about it, but I feel like I would have caught even more if I had just seen it maybe. Yeah. It is um what, what, but I, what did you think overall, I guess? All right, maybe with synopsis. Well, so let's give a synopsis. Yes. Okay, so Mank it's uh Herman Mankiewicz, uh the one of the well, the main writer on well, depending on who you ask. A writer on Citizen Kane is what I'll say. Um and it's kind of his life and his writing of Citizen Kane. And yeah, I guess that's just what I'll say. It's his it's his adult life. Yeah, his adult life. Um most of it takes place it's it's told very similarly to Citizen Kane in terms of it's yeah, a non-linear storyline. Incredibly line. similarly. It's framed it yeah, it's framed very similarly with the non-linear I mean, the flashbacks aren't even told in a linear order, which occasionally confused me in this movie. But yes, and there's like cuts between flashbacks, mm-hmm. which is like, oh, oh, we're going back to that scene. Oh, OK. <laughs> um, but yes, um, it, it's about kind of his adult life. You don't get anything yeah. when he's younger. Uh, Herman Mankiewicz, who's this interesting character writer for MGM back in the day. Uh, friend of William Randolph Hearst, kind of, or like <laughs> yeah, kind of, or like usual dinner guest, I suppose, of William Randolph Hearst. Yeah. Um, who is like got in an automobile accident and it was contacted by Orson Welles to write this script for this RKO, RKO Studios picture in a short amount of time, but he's like bedridden, so he's like. Half, most of this move or half this movie takes place with Gary Oldman laying in a bed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's true. I didn't really think about that until you just said it. Cause I didn't, I, those parts didn't really even bore me. I don't think even though that's kind of all in one room. Um, overall, I liked this movie quite a bit, honestly. Um, I did, probably personally enjoy it more than Citizen Kane just because I I mean I thought looking at all the connections to the original movie and just old Hollywood in general uh, both like visually or thematically I thought that was a lot of fun I thought it was pretty great overall aside from some structural issues that I briefly mentioned Um, yeah I don't know I thought it was a really good movie I don't really have that much to pick apart about this movie i it's i think it's well acted i think um i of course love charles dance as william randolph first even though it's like he talks for an american a bad american accent for (laughs) some of the time and then he just sounds like charles dance for the other part of the time which i'm fine with but (laughs) i thought costume and makeup did a pretty good job on him though like he I mean, he doesn't look exactly like William Randolph Hearst, at least from what I've seen of him. But, like, he doesn't look just like Charles Dance in every other movie. Oh, which is I, what I, I kind of thought. I thought he did, but... Oh. Let me look up a oh. picture of Hearst. I guess I've never really seen a picture of Hearst. Um, but... Oh, yeah, I mean, they kind of look similar. 
Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought, especially in costume and like hair, they got the hair down pat. They did. I thought. They really did. Um, oh, it's just yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, this movie is going to be up for a lot of Academy Awards. <laughs> yeah, it uh, is. if this movie does not win cinematography, I will be very surprised. It is beautiful. It's black and white. It's got mm-hmm. it's got very glorious light shafts. You can tell they just it's, put a very bright light in another room and hazed it up in there and just burned that thing in there, <laughs> which I it, I really like personally. But I think this movie does an incredible job. I mean, you have movies that kind of go back and glorify or at least uh, present themselves within old Hollywood but I think this movie loses itself in old Hollywood even better than most movies do like technical aspects for sure I think this is way more immersive in those old films than I'm trying to think of another good example I know there's there are some and they're not coming to mind because I was because I was making comparison in my head while watching it but like I mean you got the black and white you've got the audio which Mm -hmm. sounds like it was recorded on whatever you used to record audio back then um it music i mean it sounds like a a a soundtrack from back then very jazzy very i don't know how else to describe it great soundtrack honestly i liked it a lot um just technically very excellent i liked i don't i don't think did they film it on film or did they film it digitally and add everything later? I, you know, you I'm know? not sure. Um, Cause I mean, it had, they added a lot of like film effects, like what you would maybe see on like an old new, like real, um, that's being projected. I kind of liked that, those touches. Um, it didn't, it didn't feel like it was filmed and then put in a black and white filter. <laughs> Which is good, and I think a lot of movies might try to do that just to make them seem more high profile. It felt like this was made for this uh, format, so yeah. I mean, you, yeah, it was very much they t- put a lot of care into making this movie look beautiful in black and white. Um, so it it is gorgeous. I mean, and the set design. I mean, everything about it, the production design is is fantastic as well. And honestly, I think it's it, if someone didn't know like how films were made better, I could see someone thinking this was actually from back then. <laughs> Just and everything with how accurately they got uh, set looks. I mean, the film looks better. It looks like a black and white. It movie does look shot better, today. but I, I, I think I'm certain you could find people that wouldn't know the difference. Mm, I don't know about that one. I mean, it like it looks the I'm black and white quality it. is better than say something like even Schindler's List. Like I think you could think yeah. Schindler's List was from like 1940. I do not think you could think this movie's from 1940. I don't know. I'm gonna stand by that. Well, you're <laughs> wrong. Um, just thinking through some of the other. Th- <laughs> There's a cameo in this movie that it's very oh. much surprised to me. We won't. Oh spoil my it. gosh! I, I was like, exactly is that this? I'm like, this sounds like this person. And then they like kind of show. I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is that person. And then I like watch the credits. No. I'm like, that was them. I was like, I, uh, I was I, not I, expecting them to be in this movie. 
I didn't get on my phone at that point because I had the exact same reaction you did, and I had to look it up. <laughs> I was watching. I watched it early Sunday morning, like right when I woke up, and I was like, "Am I? Am I just still half asleep, or is this actually who I think this is?" <laughs> it's funny. Great it's cameo. just a, the smallest of cameos, like from a distance. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, very interesting. Um, I I liked it. Um, but yeah, this movie. The strengths. I think one thing, uh, Gary Oldman never looks young in this movie. Like, no, he always seems like a fifty to seventy year old man. <laughs> so like, he's well, supposed like to Gary, be like thirty or something. <laughs> yeah, Gary Oldman's like sixty. He's like in his lower sixties. He's supposed to be forty. Like when this movie, yeah, play, or like forty. And honestly, I think, I think that was somewhat intentional, just because his lifestyle is so, like. <laughs> unhealthy <laughs> like and especially you know back then i mean young people now don't look like how young people looked like back then i could see like that being a very intentional thing it didn't even really seem like they tried to make him look young he just kind of looked like gary oldman in a in a fat suit <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just like the parts where he's supposed to be like 30 years old i'm like he looks 60 still or 50 <laughs> I thought, okay, this is, I don't think this is really a spoiler. Aside from, like, maybe the climax of the film, I felt, I thought it was interesting that they didn't really look at his, like, uh, Manx, like, problems, whether that be drinking or what else. They didn't really look at those and, like, focus on those, like a lot of other biopics might. No, they like they touch on them, but it doesn't really come to a head. Yeah, it's not. It's not like they. I mean, he get. It's not like I guess I can't spoil it. I won't. I won't say anything. But just know that, like, like you, things like that might usually be focused in a movie like this, like alcoholism, are not a huge focal point. It's more of a motif than like a or yeah. like a or an embodiment of his character than mm-hmm. like an actual plot device. It made it feel more unique. I mean, aside from everything else that makes this movie feel somewhat unique. Um, other things I want to mention in non-spoilers. Uh, it It's a very interesting movie. I did, like, it just exposes more things about Citizen Kane that makes me... I'm going to watch Citizen Kane with a different lens now this next time. Mm-hmm. It really... It's, I mean, we kind of touched on it in the Citizen Kane review, but there are just so many parallels in this movie to Citizen Kane. I mean, I guess we we mentioned it with the structure of the movie, but just how the movie plays out and a lot of the things that happen in the movie. I mean, we see the real-life inspirations for several characters in Citizen Kane. Um, it's just very interesting. I, yeah. Um, I thought, just to give a shout-out to Tom Burke, I thought he was excellent as Orson Welles. Yeah, I. What else does Tom I've, Burke I've do? I've never seen any of his other things. I don't think I. I didn't. He. I'm just looking up the the stuff now. I don't. I don't really. I haven't really seen anything else he did. I mean, I don't like claim to know how Orson Welles acted super well, but like he seemed to get the mannerisms down pretty well from what I know, and the look too. Just he looked pretty close. He did. I was like, is this some sort of CGI trickery going on here? <laughs> Um, but 
yeah i i thought that was he i thought he nailed it mm-hmm. to the point where i thought like i was like is this some sort of weird <laughs> cgi thing that they're doing yeah um i uh i think this was certainly a um like on purpose probably i would have liked to see kind of more of I'm trying to think of how they could implement this without it making it seem more like a standard biopic, but I would have liked to see maybe more of how, aside from how it was written, how Citizen Kane came about, like, why did Orson Welles come to Mank? How did their yeah, initial conversations go? They did go? not really explain that. They were just like, yeah. Orson Welles wanted Herman Mankiewicz to write it. I'm like, yeah, why? And Unless I, I just and missed I thought, it. I don't think they mention it at all. I think like Wells over the phone a couple of times is like, you're the best man in the business or something like that. And that's about all he says. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have anything else you really want to say before getting into spoilers here? No, I don't think so. I don't either. I'm going to give this movie a nine out of 10. Like I said, there's not much to nitpick with it. I, I like Citizen Kane better still. I, I enjoyed it more, but um, it adds to it. As like I guess like a s- spiritual antholo- anthological film maybe I don't know mm-hmm. a companion piece yeah it it would be it's great for a double feature yeah um um I'll give it I mean enjoyment was probably a nine yeah I'll give it a nine on par with Citizen Kane <laughs> I don't think it's as good don't don't attack me on the internet guys um but yeah David Fincher did a great job. I expect this to be nominated for several Academy Awards. Uh, mm-hmm. I would put my, like, I, I don't know what else is out there for cinematography, but if I had to put my money on it right now, I would say this. Gary Oldman's going to be up for Best Actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could see Lily Collins being up there. Amanda Seyfried. Amanda Seyfried being up there. Um, Who I did, we didn't mention her, but she was really good. She was. I think she was excellent. Um certainly even better somehow than her mama mia uh here we go again roll <laughs> um and then uh maybe even charles dance but uh yeah but i i see and screenplay and all that like i see this being up there yeah so don't be surprised when this is at the academy academy awards which are taking place in april yeah, and are going to be happening in person. I didn't mention that on Tom on Tom's, but interesting. All right, let's go on to spoilers. Yes. So Holden, the big spoiler here is obviously Bill Nye plays Upton Sinclair. <laughs> <laughs> it was that is insane. That is, that is one of the most. Like, I usually when like when a moment or something, a cameo like that happens and it takes you out of a movie, that's a bad thing. But it, it was such a pleasant surprise. That is one of the most jarring things I've seen in a movie in a long time. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I mean, it's not like a twist, obviously, but it's just I was not not even like my top thousand, ten thousand guesses of what would happen in this movie would I guess that Bill Nye would play Upton Sinclair. <laughs> <laughs> Which was like I didn't know Bill. How, like, how did that even happen? I want oh. a movie about that. How did Bill I get a cameo in this movie? Yeah, it seems weird. I mean, I wonder if like David Fincher is like just friends with him or something somehow. Yeah, and he's like, you know, Upton Sinclair's a really interesting guy. 
What, what does Upton Sinclair look like? Does he look like Bill Nye? I'm looking I don't. Now. I was curious about that too, but I never mm, looked it up. Let me look up old Upton Sinclair. Old Upton Sinclair. What? Why, why did it take away the images tab? The images tab moved from second to. Oh, you yeah, know, a little bit. Mm. Yeah, kind of, uh, maybe. Maybe a little. <laughs> why is there a picture of George R. R. Martin? <laughs> <laughs> um eh, not really okay anyway from i mean the, it was still a pleasant surprise though old. yeah um i found okay i thought the whole problem it was it was very timely especially with this last week i mean because there was no way that they could have possibly known about what the the WB announcement this week, but when they were talking about how to get people back in theaters, I was like, that's <laughs> that's very timely. I don't I mean, I don't think they could have possibly written that into the movie based on COVID, because this would have had to have been at least filmed before then. Um, but it was just kind of a cool parallel that was unintentional, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, very interesting that that was the case. I really liked just the aesthetic of the election night party i just mm-hmm. for the production design of that was just beautiful in my opinion and the way things were cut together oh there's something that was there a caravan or whiplash was there a, a standard chart in there i was gonna look it up there probably was i don't think it was caravan or whiplash i didn't it didn't stick out to me i guess I, so there was something from whiplash a chart they played in it that either it was like alluded to in the oh. score or they literally just played it and I'm trying to remember what would that be? I feel like maybe I recognized it, but now I'm now I'm wondering if it was a uh, different movie I'm thinking of. But um yes, I I thought I didn't like just this whole thing the you know what movie this reminded me of other than Citizen Kane? What? Well, it was Togo. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because Balto got the credit for Togo. And oh yeah, Balto is Orson Welles. And <laughs> Togo is Herman Mankiewicz. Well, uh, what, that was my connection at the end of this movie. <laughs> I found this. I found it interesting because I, uh, looking into it a bit more, I don't think it's like. I don't think even like Mankiewicz's contributions have been officially confirmed. Like in regards to like this is how how much of it he did, um, it kind of seems like this is almost like a, a not necessarily a hot take, but like a, just taking a stance on a controversial issue as to who did more in terms of the script. Because apparently this has been a hot button topic for a long time that I don't think has ever really gotten resolved. It's good, like like uh, Bob Kane and Bill Finger over Batman. Yeah. Um, yeah, Orson Welles. He's like Bob Kane. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I. Th- it's interesting. I, I'd have to do more research, but yeah, this movie definitely takes the stance of Herman Mankiewicz basically wrote it, and yeah, and Orson Welles tried to take advantage of the fact that he was a socialist to take credit for this movie, like complete credit. Yeah. And Which, I mean, 
I'm not going to pretend like I am an expert on Orson Welles or know his character very well, but he does kind of come off as an arrogant meanie. Yeah. Who is? I mean, if you're like 24 and already given like, or even younger than that, if you're that young and given full reign on a movie. Which was completely unheard of. Yeah. Especially, I mean, just because your talent was already praised and everyone loved you, like... And studios were desperate, to be fair. They were That's desperate. true. But, like, it, that would inflate your ego. <laughs> so, I mean, it would make sense if that's how he actually was. Um, there is an interview with him where he says, like, I never wanted to, like, like I didn't really want to make movies. So I kept just saying these absurd demands. And then finally they just met the absurd demands. He was like, oh, I guess <laughs> I'm making a movie. <laughs> Like he was like, I was never gonna do it unless it's this, and so I'll never be making movies. And then they met his demands. So he's like, Oh, well, I guess I'm okay, making then. movies. Um, one thing I want to say before I forget is this will lead into what are you doing too? But I found out that um, Herman Mankiewicz, his grandson Ben Mankiewicz, is the Turner Classic Movie Guys. He's like the really? TCM guy that you see all the time. Like you'll know who he is when you see a picture of him. That's his grandson, which I, I found out. And I'll talk more oh. about that and what are you doing. But I was like, oh, that is an interesting connection. Nice. But um, um, the guy We didn't mention him glasses. at all, but the MGM like president guy. Yeah, Mayor. Mayor, um, who I was not familiar with at all. Um, I just... <laughs> I thought his character was maybe one of the most entertaining. Um, yeah, he was the Bernstein guy right he's the bernstein connection was he i think so i thought that that was the parallel they had drawn where he was just like this suck up to oh yeah no you're right you're right um but he i his whole like the bit where he like pleads to his workers and is like oh my gosh do like just cut your salaries in half for like eight weeks and we'll, we'll pay you back. We'll, we'll get you back on your salaries, pay you back for what we missed. We just we're in financial trouble. And that whole performance he puts on, I was, that was maybe my favorite scene in the movie. I was, I mean, I knew the whole time he was like faking it. I could predict that, but like he just very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, this felt like it had such a momentum to it for like a movie where it's like on paper it's pretty dull <laughs> what happens. Yeah. There's not a lot of excitement. It it has that flashy flair of like an Aaron Sorkin sort of like thing mixed with like a I mean David Fincher stuff, so I guess yeah. Yeah. Of just the the electricity of dialogue and camera movement that kind of has a momentum to it. Which this oh, film needs. Like, if without that, this doesn't really work nearly as well. This would be such a boring movie if it didn't. <laughs> I feel like if, if, like, most other directors did this, it wouldn't work as well as it did. Um, uh, we didn't mention, though, um, this movie's, the screenplay was written by David Fincher's dad, Jack Fincher. Apparently, okay, so like, it was back, his dad. I, I was wondering yeah. if it was a brother or someone. It was like his dad, and he wrote it back in like the late '90s, early 2000s. And I think Jack Fincher died in 2003. So this is like, I mean, I'm sure it, it was reworked and uh, rewritten a little bit, but the large part of it has been around for like a couple decades. 
That's really cool. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that was really neat for David Fincher to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I did. I mentioned earlier the parallel between I, like Herman's brother. I think pretty well is a is is a parallel to what was his name again? Leland. <laughs> Leland, Leland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I didn't realize uh, how prominent his brother became. Um, Joseph Mankiewicz. He basically, I mean, aside from Citizen Kane, I think he came to overshadow Herman pretty much in every way. Um, and also the actor who plays that, uh, who plays Joseph, is from Iron Fist. So it's good he's gone on to do better things. He did Cleopatra? That's right. That's what I was saying. Because when I was looking up Mankiewicz, like other movies he's written... I think I was getting a lot of Joseph Mankiewicz movies, too, because I was like, wow, these are impressive. Wow, that is impressive. Um, but yeah, five he's kind of hours and 20 minutes. Holy smokes. I did not know Cleopatra was that long. How long? Five hours and 20 minutes. Are, what? <laughs> <laughs> here's the, oh, my God. Here's the official Wikipedia. <laughs> it says, Cleopatra is a lengthy, sprawling spectacular. <laughs> I love the first adjective is lengthy, sprawling, <laughs> spectacular love story helmed by Joseph L. Mankiewicz, depicting oh, Cleopatra's manipulation of Julius Caesar and Mark Antony in her ill-fated attempt to save the Egyptian Empire. Jesus Christ. Wow. Are you kidding? <laughs> I guess I'm just going to double check that to make sure that is. Okay, I'm actually on, on Rotten Tomatoes, it says four hours and three minutes. I'm... Yeah, I'm seeing 243 minutes on Wikipedia. Yeah, so which is still really long. Four <laughs> hours and three minutes. Gee whiz! If any of you out there have watched Cleopatra, uh, good job. <laughs> if any of you have watched Cleopatra, congratulations! It's your 80th birthday. <laughs> wow. Um, well, yeah, I, something tells me Patty Jenkins won't be quite as long. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I mean, we we hadn't hit a lot of the parallels too much. I think a lot of them are pretty obvious uh, with this and Citizen Kane. You have a lot of visual elements. I mean, like the really obvious one is when Herman drops the bottle and it's like Kane dropping the snow globe at the beginning of Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's, there's no way that snow globe breaks being in Citizen Kane. Whoever built yeah. that snow globe, terrible at building snow globes. <laughs> that's what i thought too i want a movie about them and how bad they are <laughs> building snow globes because it lands on like the carpeted part rolls yeah. off one step still is fine then it rolls onto the wood floor there's about a six inch drop thing breaks you kidding me <laughs> you kidding me um boy snow globes have really come a long way since the 1940s apparently <laughs> that's what um, i learned I thought it was interesting how much, like, like how many people Herman let read the script, like, especially people who were, like, the characters were based off of. I, I with the, ma- the way it makes it sound like in the movie is, like, everybody knows the script. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows it, and then the movie just comes out anyway. Um, it is a minor miracle that the movie came out. Cause yeah. Because Hearst really tried hard to not allow it to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it is interesting how they do just cut from literally Wells is like fine you can have credit partial credit and then then it literally jumps the Academy Awards yeah which is interesting um I thought the uh the story of the organ monkey was a bit on the nose. Yeah. Especially since they mention it twice <laughs> in the movie. Um, I, I think I also really liked the first, like I, I mentioned, I really liked the scene with the, with mayor, um, talking to his employees um, but I also really liked the scene where they're at the party and they're arguing about politics and stuff. I mm-hmm. thought that was, I thought as far as dialogue went, that was probably the most interesting scene in the movie. Yeah. It does make me wonder, why do they actually keep Mank around? Yeah. <laughs> it just seems like, I mean, maybe he's made a, a couple good movies by that point, but kind of like more of a pain than anything. And like, I mean, he he asks his wife several times throughout the movie, like, "Why are you still with me?" <laughs> and at every single point, he asks that. I'm also like, "Yeah, why are you still with him?" <laughs> also, you look forty years younger than he does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they also didn't make her age. I don't think. Like, she looks the same. Yeah. I thought in the modern the modern quote unquote bits, as she did when they were like younger. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, the last one I guess to touch on is the the Susan Alexander character, mm-hmm. which I forget her name. The uh, William Randolph Hearst like mistress. Yeah. Um, is it mistress? Are they? I don't think they were married. Okay. Um. Although I I don't know. I'll look it up. You keep talking. I just thought it was interesting how she's kind of like, well, at least the way they portray her, she's kind of like the uh, um, Susan Alexander in the movie, but she seems a lot more interesting, her actual person. Like, she feels like a little bit of a cartoon in in Citizen Kane, where she seems more three-dimensional in this. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think Mank, that's what Mankowitz is like. It's, I mean, it's based on you, but it's really not you. No. Because, I mean, e- even, I mean, she admits in this movie that she has grown to, like, love Hearst. Um, which I think is a little bit different than how, like, Rita Alexander is in the movie. Yeah. Um. Okay. They were, no- yeah, she was the mistress. And apparently the woman he was married to they were married until one of them died um i don't think she was in the movie at all though millicent hurst millicent william randolph i just kind of want to learn more about hurst now seems like an interesting fellow yeah uh anything else you want to talk about or should we should we wrap it up Nah, we can wrap it up. I think we've been going for quite a while. Yeah, we might break our record, Holden. All right, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? All right. 
Uh, what am I doing? Uh, well, Jimmy, before I get into what I've watched or played or whatever, some sad news that you don't even know. Um, I did have a dog pass away. Oh, no. Um, this was day before Thanksgiving. Oh, man. Something like that. It was one of the first days I was back. Um, I mean, she had she hadn't been doing great. Uh, her name was Lily. She hadn't been doing great for a while. She had kind of lost control of her back legs. Was kind of like dragging herself around on the ground. Um, oh, I apologize if the audio on this is really loud because apparently the levels have gone up. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. No, don't, I, don't change it, Olden. Whatever you do, don't change it. I just it changed cr- it. Yeah, thank you. Now you created more work for me. Just you want me to it. turn it back up? No, don't touch it now. Okay. Then I'll have to edit it again. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I don't know at what point that went up. But anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, she had passed away. Uh, she hadn't been doing great. Um, so it was kind of, we knew it was coming. Um, it was unfortunate to, we, so the, the, the positive news of this story is that we got a new dog. Um, uh-huh. and, and little puppy his name Aww. is stitch named after lilo and stitch's character um, which one lilo or stitch i don't know i'm a little <laughs> slow everybody my parents didn't tell me which one stitch is named what, after what kind um, of what kind of puppy a boxer like oh. the other dogs we've had like rocky um, what like rocky like rocky yeah you should have named it rocky oh then you no. blew it <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, we had been planning on... How about a good from, old... Dra- it's drag- Doggo. <laughs> he is a good dog. <laughs> well, we had been planning on getting him for a while. Uh, so at one point, we were going to have three dogs. But uh, we just got him on Friday. So he's very new. He's very cute. Very... Oh, oh my gosh. I wish I had like... I wish this podcast had video so that I could just show you guys. Bring him down and show you guys. He's like just adorable i love him he's white and black this is colors little pink nose mm-hmm. he's eight weeks old oh. um but yeah he's adorable anyway that's my that's my dog news for the week um i'll be i don't I'll be i don't joining have like you in that sh- sorrow what? sooner or later my dog's starting to get old which is very oh, sad yeah. to watch but yeah it so. is it does. It, it sucks to watch him get old. And I've only got the one, so that'll be hard. Um, I didn't watch. Like, I don't have a huge influx of movies because actually, <laughs> after last Friday, which was before, or I guess two Fridays ago, which was before the last episode that was supposed to come out, I don't think I watched a single movie aside from Mank. So it's mostly just the movies before then. Um, I watched Happiest Season a new Hulu film. Uh, it's a romantic comedy starring Mackenzie Davis and Kristen Stewart. Um, I watched it cause Mariah really want to wa- wanted to watch it. It came oh, out yeah. after, yeah, it came out after, um, we had got, we had left school. And so we watched it over zoom together and whatnot, but it was honestly pretty good. I thought as far as romantic comedies go, it was, I mean, it's, so, it's somewhat unique, at least in the mainstream, because it is like a lead lesbian couple. Um, and this, like with all these big name actors in it. Um, but it's very funny, honestly. I think it is written a little bit. There's, there's, a, there's some like 
pretty cringy stuff in it, but aside from a few moments, it's written pretty well. Um, I watched The Elephant Man. Oh, yeah. I have not seen that. That's another one I have not seen since I was very little. Yeah, it. Uh, I watched it. I don't remember why we watched it. That was another one I watched with uh, Mariah. But it's. It, it was kind of funny because the three most recent movies I've seen were Citizen Kane, The Elephant Man, and Mank. So just three black and white films. Uh, all from different eras, too. What's the famous line from The Elephant Man? It's like, uh, I'm not an animal. I'm a man. An I elephant man. <laughs> it's a little bit contradictory like, to your name, like a- huh, John Hurt? <laughs> um, but I mean, it was it was excellent. I mean, it's it's weird that it's a David Lynch movie because it's probably his most straightforward one or among his most straightforward. Um, it's, I mean, that's that's another movie that is made after the black and white era that I think is just aided so much by being black and white and a couple great lead performances with Anthony Hopkins and John Hurt. Uh, it's honestly it's very heartbreaking but also very it's kind of funny in parts that i wasn't expecting um yeah cool i watched dog day afternoon um which is a al pacino it's pretty famous movie from i think the 60s or 70s it's apparently based off of a real bank heist that i didn't know existed um what's it called dog day afternoon yeah i've heard of this yeah uh but it's might be my i think al pacino's character in this is maybe one of my favorite film characters now even though i mean i know he's based off of a real person i he might even share the same name um but he's just like he's this bank robber he's kind of pathetic but he's also he's not entirely unlikable he's he's definitely in over his head and he's like I don't know he he's it's kind of apparently this movie is very influential in how like a lot of police procedurals and other movies have like taken or presented hostage situations like if you've seen a hostage situation in a movie it's probably based on how they do it in this movie and I can see is this the one where they're like I need to go to the bathroom or whatever yeah that is that that's that's part of it because I mean they they rob a bank and take hostages and it's kind of this very very cool movie. I liked it a lot. It's it was on HBO Max, but I watched it like the day before it got removed. So <laughs> great. Find it somewhere else, I guess. Um, and then the other movie I watched was Hunt for the Wilder People, uh, Taika Waititi movie. I think maybe is only one I hadn't seen at this point. And I mean, I it's great. Like pretty much every other Taika Waititi movie I've seen, at least my opinion on it. It uh, very funny very heartfelt very yeah and very it just tells a good story which i think is pretty apparent in all of his movies i don't have a whole lot to say on that one honestly um and then tv haven't watched a lot big mouth season four is out and i'm supposed to be watching that because that's another one that my my girlfriend likes that that show a lot and so i watch it and talk to her about i'm almost done with westworld season three um yeah 
I feel like there's a show or something that I watched that I'm just heavily missing. I don't know. If I think of it, I'll mention it. Games. Um, I am on... I'm not quite on winter break yet. I got a couple more projects, and so I've been busy. That, the reason why we didn't have an episode last week, partially, was because I we were both had swamped. so many projects I had to work on. We were both swamped. That. Yeah, we were both... We were both swamped, so we took a gap week. Um, but I now that's clearing up, I'm playing some more games. I just played through, finished Alan Wake all the way through, which I had mentioned like April I was playing, and I played like a chapter of it and then just got distracted doing something else. But I played it all the way through, and that's the game that connects to Control and Control's DLC. And it was really good, honestly. I think I like it more than Control. Um, it's kind of a horror action game. It's not really scary, but it has horror elements in it. And it's a very unique narrative, especially for a video game, especially around 2010, which is when it came out. Um, but I'll be interested to see where that goes in the Control DLC since I have that season pass, and we'll probably go play that next. Um, and I've been playing another... I've... <laughs> I, I'm concurrently playing like three Zelda games now because I started playing The Wind Waker on uh, the Wii U. I dusted off the Wii U and started to put in the HD port of that because um, I bought that game probably like th- four years ago and just never got around to playing it. And now that I'm home, I'm like, yeah, might as well play it now. Don't have much else to do. And it's pretty good. It's probably the prettiest Zelda game because it's like cell shaded and very, it looks very pretty in HD, even though it's only like 720 or whatever the Wii U was on, 720p. Um, yeah, I think that's it though. All right. So I watched a few things. I watched Zodiac, which. Um, oh, yeah, you mentioned that. Which I forgot was a David Fincher movie, so it kind of worked perfectly into this. Um, See, I thought you were watching that when you mentioned that, and you were like, "Oh, well, maybe." I mean, we could do this instead of Citizen Kane. I thought, I thought that was because it was David Fincher. No, I just was like, "Oh, yeah, that was also David Fincher." Um, I quite liked it. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I liked the investigation and all that, and it's nicely shot. And I had didn't know a ton about the Zodiac Killer, so I was genuinely along for the ride it's got one of the best like oh crap moments <laughs> in any movie where like <laughs> things just shift very suddenly um i like myself some jake gyllenhaal some um robert downey jr some mark ruffalo so that was good three good actors all in the mcu of course <laughs> i watched uh i guess i have not watched the last half of the last episode i just have i keep forgetting that i need to finish the last episode of this i've i've basically watched the whole thing like a week and a half ago uh auntie donna's big old house of fun holden oh yeah <laughs> I, I quite enjoyed it and i've really started to get into their other stuff which is <laughs> which is fun um i'm glad and i've showed some parts to emily even and she's even <laughs> like some parts of it uh, i think my favorite bit was the the hunk in the door <laughs> i thought that oh was the hunk really, in the dork is good that's I right. that was really funny I was like dying watching that before bed. All, uh, but everything is a dr- everything's a drum. I thought was also very funny. I um, love the bit where they're. I think it's in the dating episode where they're complimenting each other's clothes and like all the shots are really weird. 
<laughs> is that I the one really where Mark it. gets like super carried yes. away? Yeah, that was an interesting one. <laughs> so I've been watching some of their stuff like online too. Um, but I, I listened to a, an episode of the half of their podcast today too. The two most recent ones nice. I've been working on, and I laughed really hard in parts of I, them. They are yeah, I, I mean, funny. I had been off their show a little bit when the uh, show came out. Or when, yeah, when the Netflix the show podcast, came out. You were off the podcast when the Netflix series yes. came out. Yes, I was off the podcast a little bit. And then I've gone back and I've, st- I've been listening to some, of, uh, some more episodes. And I just listened to... Maybe I'll have to send you the two that I just listened to. And I thought, like, it's a two-parter. And I thought the majority of it was, like, all right. But then I thought the payoff at the end, because it was, like, one bit they were doing the whole time, and it paid off in the last 10 minutes, and I was, like, in hysterics <laughs> in my car driving to my house. Because I I think that I listened to that on my last stretch when I was coming back from Sioux Falls. Uh, but that was a highlight of the podcast so far. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know, Auntie Donna is this uh, Australian comedy trio Mm-hmm. who were on YouTube a lot. They also have a podcast uh, where they sometimes have like a guest or something on too, and they do bits. Um, they recently got greenlighted for a Netflix show. It's uh, one season, just six episodes. They're each like very short. They're like 18 to like 22 minutes. Yeah. You can watch all of them in like just over two hours. <laughs> yeah. And they're, it's like sketch. There's very loosely t- tied together sketch comedy. Like it, mm-hmm. it kind of all revolves around them having being in this house, but it, it it's pretty it's very loosely relate loosely tied together. Um, and it's you should go check it out because I want I want it to be successful. I do too. <laughs> I I really like them. Like I just am rooting for them now, and yeah. it's an it's definitely an acquired taste. Like I <laughs> I had tried to get I looked at a couple of their or a couple of things from them before, and I was like I don't think this really is for me. But then going back to it, and not every bit lands for me that they do, but they're, they're <laughs> they are pretty funny, and uh, I've started to just kind of get on board with their sense of humor and buying into their personality because they have a really good chemistry. So they do. <laughs> uh, Auntie Donna's big old house of fun on Netflix, or check them out on YouTube or on anywhere you get podcasts. Um, that makes me so happy you liked it. Yeah, so we can we can bond over that too. Uh, I watched the, I did not, I very, I hardly remember this happening, but uh, the, in 2011, there were these terrorist attacks in Norway. I remember the part where they like, there was this van bomb that like blew up part of like a government building, but I did not know about this other part where this, so if you know anything about the Oklahoma City bombing, this alt right person in the United States went to like an IRS building with a, a van bomb and blew it up and it was very bad. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like the Norwegian equivalent of that even or but even like more terrifying. Um, and it was uh, I thought this was just going to be a documentary. It's called 22 July on Netflix. I th- my parents had watched it and they recommended it. And that's why I watched it. It's long. It's like two and a half hours almost. Um, really? I thought it was just like a documentary. No, it's it's a straight up movie about it. And it is the first 40 minutes are very intense and not for everyone. If you like cannot handle realistic violence, I would not suggest it. Um, I mean, it's not like 
super gory, but just like the content of it, the the material of it is very just horrifying in of itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this guy, basically, this alt right neo Nazi in Norway, plants this van bomb in front of one of the Norwegian like buildings where the prime minister usually is, or like their office is located out of. Explodes that and then proceeds to. There was like this youth political camp for like the future okay. of Norwegian politics and stuff. And like Norway's a pretty like liberal place. So, um, this it, and it takes place on this island just outside of like Oslo and or like 11 miles away or something. And this, and there's like literally one ferry that takes you to and from the island. And this guy like pretends to be a police officer and like convinces him that he's supposed to go on this island to like secure it since there was this terror attack and he gets on there and he literally just takes out like a machine gun starts hunting kids on an island like oh jeez just terrifying um and yeah like killed 60 like 77 people overall like 68 I want to say on this island of like teenagers so and, and then the rest of this movie kind of focuses on his trial. Uh, there, I want to say there are like four main characters-ish. Like there's the, the terrorist guy. There's the guy who is a lawyer. Then there's these two brothers who were um, at the camp and like their recovery or the, their PTSD from it. And then mm-hmm. facing him in the trial and that stuff. And I thought it was quite good. Um, and it was enlightened me to something I didn't know a ton about. So nice. I would recommend it. If, if I think I'd heard of interested. this movie when it came out at, I think it was at a festival or something before Netflix picked it up. And I think I'd heard, yeah, sounded cool. Interesting. It's pretty, I mean, it's pretty inspirational. So cool. Um, but yeah, it's very intense. And I feel like I have other things. Oh, sorry. I have one more thing that I want to talk about. Uh, I've always wanted to, it's been on my watch list forever, but I just didn't know where I could find watching it. And fortunately it's on HBO and I kind of just stumbled on it. So on HBO max, they, they have the CNN, the movies, uh, show because the, they, they ha- you know, the, the documentaries they have about the decades, like they have the sixties, oh, the seventies, yeah, yeah. they never had the movies on that. And I was like, why did they have the TV shows and not the movies? Well, they were waiting to do the movies as like its own show. So this is CNN, the movies. It's literally the same exact style of those other, the other decade show. But it's just an, each episode is an hour and a half about each decade of movies. Except they combine like the, basically the beginning of, you know, silent film through the 50s. They kind of combine that, I think. Or do they have a separate one for the 50s? I, they might have a separate one for the 50s, but then they do like 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. Sure. And it's really good. And that's where I heard of uh, the whatever ones you were, the, whatever the bank heist movie you are just talking about. Oh, Dog Day Afternoon. Okay. Yeah, Dog Day Afternoon. That's how I had just heard about that. And other films, they talked about Citizen Kane. That's how I found out Ben Mankiewicz, ben, ben Mankiewicz was the grandson of Herman. Because he's prominently in that. They have like Tom Hanks, Ron Howard, Robert Zemeckis, you know, all these big people in it. It's really good. I feel like uh, I really enjoy it since I never really got to take a 
uh, film history class. It is definitely, it is exclusively like American films. So it's the disclaimer, I would say it, unfortunately doesn't really touch on foreign films, but I highly recommend it if you have HBO max. Um, sweet. Just cause it's like, Oh, I need to check out these movies. And that's everything. Holden next week is something coming out. Are we? Yeah. Next week is, uh, the final Chadwick Boseman movie. Uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And what is that coming out on? Netflix. Netflix. All right. So we will do that next week. Also, Mulan is out now. Yeah. As well. Um, I mean, if we want to cover Mulan, I think we have a gap week after this next week. So maybe. So, yeah, we'll probably check out Chadwick Boseman's. Uh, he said Ma Rainey's Big Black Bottom. It's just Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Marini's Black Bottom. All right. It's been his performance in it has been uh, turning some heads. So honestly, I would I could see him getting a posthumous Oscar if this movie actually turns out to be like his performance turns out to be as good as people seem to indicate. All right. Well, we'll see if this is the longest episode of all time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully um, there was quality amongst this quantity. Take yeah. us home, Holden. All right, so uh, you can follow us on Facebook. We're there. You can look at us and check out what we're saying. Um, yeah, and I have been writing on it a little bit more often, so that's that's good. Um, what else? Uh, you can send us requests. Do we have any more new requests, Jimmy? It was the whatever one that you watched with Mariah. We've actually had two people request that. Two people have requested it? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, so we may rewatch that at some point. Um, so, yeah. Or I will you rewatch it for the zeroth time. <laughs> uh, we can. Uh, so, yeah, we'll uh, you can send us requests either by leaving us a five star review on iTunes or by uh, you can send us an email at tompodcast at gmail.com or you can donate to our Patreon and just say which one you want us to do. Any movie that we haven't done already because we won't do it again. (laughs) (laughs) So, sorry for whoever sent a request for Happiest Season again, I guess. Send a different one now that you heard this. Um, Yeah, I think that's it, though. Yes, that is it. Adios, pantalones. Love you.